Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for March 19th, 2018. Matt's making me re-record because I said 2019 the first time. He wasn't happy with it, but I know the right year. It's 2018. So we have an eight-game slate, just a couple weeks left in the NBA season. And it looks like we have a good amount of value for the slate right now. Uh, I would say this is probably going to be one of the more playable slates that we've left in the year. Uh, first game to talk about is the Charlotte Hornets at the Philadelphia 76ers. From the Hornets side of the game, Nick Batum got hurt last game. He's going to be out. So Jeremy Lamb is a pretty good value play at 4,200. But that's kind of assuming he starts because there were games that Batum was out uh, pretty recently. What was it, like a couple weeks ago, Batum was injured and we thought that Jeremy Lamb was going to start and be a really good play. And Travion Graham ended up starting. Lamb came off the bench and didn't really play a ton of minutes in those games. So I would say that if Lamb starts, he's like a must-play in cash games and a really good value play. If he comes off the bench, he's still a really good value play, but his minutes are probably in the mid-30s as a starter, but probably in the high 20s coming off the bench because that's what we saw before. Uh, but that is something to keep an eye on. for. And Trivion Graham is not going to be in play for me no matter what. From the Sixers side of the game, uh, Joel Embiid, I think, is a fine play to pay up for. He has had three really big games in a row after circumstantially having a bunch of bad games in a row, foul trouble, blowouts. So Embiid, I think, is a good play at 9,500, and I don't really love anybody else from the Sixers. Yeah, I think Jeremy Lamb is a good play regardless, but if he's starting, he's an even stronger play. So I guess whether or not he's starting would just determine how much of him we use, but it won't be zero regardless. And I think it'll be a lot regardless. Even though there are a lot of good value plays on this slate, I think he is in contention for the strongest one coming off the bench, and he's easily the strongest one as a starter, at least as far as we know with the current injury updates and all of that. Um, I don't know about rostering much of the Sixers side, just because there, there's a game, I think, where we'll just have better guys to pay up for. But I think Embiid is just too cheap, so he's he's worth considering. Um, I don't think I'll have much of him just because of better guys at higher prices. But I think he is a little bit too cheap, so there is some value there. And then, I don't know, is there anyone else you would roster on the Hornets? Like, anyone else that gets a boost without Batum? Because I think Kemba Walker probably gets a little bit of a boost, but he's he's a little expensive, and it's not a great matchup, so even with a slight increase in production, it's probably not worth rostering him. Yeah, and still a little bit of blowout risk. The Sixers are favored by eight points, and they're a top five uh, defense in the league. So I, I think that there's just other guys I prefer to use outside of, like, Kemba Walker. I, I wouldn't say, like, he wouldn't be somebody I X out of my player pool, but at the same time, he wouldn't be somebody at target. It would be like, if I'm making a bunch of lineups and, like, I have enough space left, like, I'd be fine with it, rostering him, but I don't really think he's a particularly great player or anything. All right, that seems good for the Hornets Sixers game. We can move on. And I guess I'll clarify, uh, I didn't make us have to re-record the entire podcast. I think it kind of sounded like that. Like if you said yeah, the doing, wrong... We're doing the entire podcast, though, because I said the wrong year. Yeah, that, uh, that would be a little silly. Yeah, we've been doing this for... Uh, well, whatever. I won't even talk about the ridiculous baseball thing we were doing before. But next game, the Lakers at the Pacers. From the Lakers' side of the game, we have Kyle Kuzma is now back. He missed, uh, was it a couple games with a bum ankle? He's back in the lineup. His minutes were a little bit down last game, if I remember correctly. Uh, I mean, he still played 32 and a half minutes, but he'd been playing like 40 minutes per game before that. I think he probably sees his minutes go back up now that he has another 
game under his belt. The Lakers don't have their own draft picks. So they don't have really any incentive to tank. They've just been playing guys like Randall and Kuzma and Lonzo Ball. have all been getting a ton of minutes. Uh, the one, the only issue I really have with them is that it's a tough matchup. The Pacers are pretty good. They're a solid defensive team and just kind of like towards the league average in pace. So I'm fine with Kuzma just because 6,000, he's been playing a lot of minutes. Uh, Randall, I guess, is okay also, but still just other guys I would rather pay up for. From the Indiana Pacers side of the game, we have Miles Turner is questionable again with a sprained ankle. If he's out, I think Al Jefferson's a good value play, 4,300. He put up a really big game last time out. He played 26 minutes, but it was also a blowout, so potentially we see him get closer to 28 to 30 minutes if the game's more competitive. And scores over a fantasy point per minute, so 28 or so minutes from Al Jefferson, he should be expected at value at 4,300. Uh, Victor Oladipo, I think, is an okay play at 8,700, but kind of the same, that I think, with other guys in that price tier. Uh, not really a priority, although I do prefer Oladipo to Kemba Walker. Yeah, and if we're kind of just going around that price tier, I think I'd prefer Embiid to Oladipo. Not the same position, but if we're talking about a utility spot or something, I think Embiid's a better play than Oladipo, but I do do agree with you on Oladipo over Kemba. And then, yeah, Al Jefferson's the guy to roster if Turner's out. It's also a little bit of a boost to the Lakers' side if Turner's out. We probably don't have a, a lot of data on Al Jefferson against other teams' starting lineups, but I can't imagine that that goes particularly well for him. So maybe it's a little bit better of a spot for Brooke Lopez, but he's gotten really expensive. I think I think who it really helps is Julius Randle because he's kind of fringy regardless, and then maybe he's a little bit of a strong play if Turner isn't there. And Demonis Sabonis is already out, so it kind of hurts the Pacers' rim protection. And then, yeah, Kuzma, I think, is a solid play, and that's probably it from this game. Uh, oh, one other thing I'll mention. Darren Collison's been coming off the bench. He's only 4,800, but I think eventually he's going to move into the starting lineup for the Pacers. So if tomorrow's the game he starts, 4,800 is just a little bit too cheap for him because he was priced around 6,000 or so before he got hurt. Yeah, actually, I think he could be worth considering even off the bench if he's getting the minutes. Um, it, it is just a low price. So if Collison plays 30 minutes off the bench at 4,800, I think, with the extra usage, too, from the second unit, I don't think that's a bad play either way, but yeah, he becomes a really good play if he's the starter. All right, let's see. What is next? The Milwaukee Bucks, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think this is one of the better games to stack on the slate, not because there's a ton of individual plays I like, but more because I think that Giannis and LeBron are the two top guys to pay up for, and I think there's going to be enough value to do it. So I think it makes a ton of sense to have lineups where you roster... Giannis and LeBron, and then you just kind of hope for a high-scoring game that is both of the minute, because I think there's a good chance they're the two highest scores on the slate. Also from the cap side of the game, Larry Nance, Kyle Korver, and Rodney Hood are all listed as questionable to play, so we could see value on the Cavs' wing. It's just hard to know since there's so many guys that are questionable. Well, I, I definitely agree with paying up for those two guys. I think they should make it into most lineups with all of the cheap players to use, but how would you handle Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton because it's not really doable to fit all of the good players from this game in the same lineup. And even going with one of Bledsoe or Middleton alongside Giannis and LeBron is kind of expensive. And I don't think there's a ton of pricing value on those Bucks guys either in a strong matchup. Uh, there could be a lot of pricing value on the Cavs if the injury situations kind of play out where guys are missing and the Cavs are a little bit cheap across the board anyway. But 
what would you do with the rest of the Milwaukee guys? Just play Giannis and none of them, and then maybe just like sprinkle in a little bit of everyone else? I think Bledsoe's kind of okay, but for the most part, it would just be Giannis and LeBron together for me. Yeah, I think Jabari Parker is still worth rostering, but the upside does seem to be capped because his minutes just haven't gone up. He's actually such better players in his price range. Yeah, I if there was a chance that he'd get 30 minutes, then I think I would use him. But it doesn't really seem like that's the case. He's played yeah, I think he peaked at around 27 minutes a couple weeks ago and he's just played progressively less than that. So I don't know why his minutes are going down. That seems kind of strange. Maybe because Brandon Jennings is on the team now or something. I don't I don't know what's going on there. But yeah, there are just better players that cost the same amount as Parker or roughly the same amount. So I, I think he's fine to avoid, too. All right. Uh, the next game on the slate, the Chicago Bulls and the New York Knicks. This should be a pretty ugly game. Two teams that do not want to win at all. The Bulls have already ruled out Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and Laurie Markin for this game. So Cameron Payne, Denzel Valentine, they should both see plenty of minutes. I think that they are good plays. Both were good in the Bulls' last game, and... I, I don't think that they're as strong of plays just because they're a little bit more expensive, but I still think that they're core guys and they're worth having in a lot of lineups. Uh, Antonio Blakeney could be worth rostering as a cheap pawn. He's almost min-priced. He played 27 and a half minutes last game with uh, with all the Bulls injuries, so I would expect about the same from him again, like somewhere 26 to 30 minutes from Blakeney, which I think that that's, that's a lot of minutes for somebody who's that cheap, so... I would be fine with rostering him as a punt from the Knicks side of the game. Uh, let's see, what is the pricing for them? The the minutes for the Knicks point guards have been really difficult to figure because we still have Trey Burke getting minutes, Neil Akina's getting minutes, uh, Moutier's been getting minutes, and then also we have Courtney Leback who's been starting. So for their prices, I don't really love anybody on the Knicks. I think the most playable guy is Tim Hardaway Jr. at 6,100 because he's the most consistent source of minutes, and he also has upside. Well, from the Bulls first, I think Blakeney, Valentine, and Payne are all worth using. I think Felicio is worth using. Valentine and Payne are going to be much higher owned than those other players, though. So maybe it's worth just pivoting to the lower owned guys because it does seem like kind of a crapshoot which of them are going to have good games. I mean, Valentine's coming off this massive game with eight threes could be the highest-owned player on the entire slate, so I wouldn't fade him, I guess, but maybe just having less of him than the other Bulls players makes sense. And then, yeah, the Knicks are, I don't know. Are, how Do you think it'll play out during this game that the teams are just not playing hard or the players just don't really care about the tanking and it's more the minutes that are coming into play with the teams trying to lose? So the issue is with the Knicks, they're playing weird guys, weird minutes. Like, so starting Courtney Lee... Is just kind of a weird thing. Sometimes Lance Thomas started and plays a decent amount of minutes. Uh, we've seen Beasley play a bunch of minutes, and we've seen Beasley also play not a lot of minutes, and it's just difficult to predict. And the issue with the Bulls side then is I think there's pricing value there, except the players just aren't particularly good, so that's their form of tanking. Uh, the Bulls are doing it by playing bad players, and the Knicks are doing it with goofy minutes. Yeah, the Bulls are just not letting any of their competent players be in the lineup at all. But I, I think there are a couple Knicks guys that have upside. Like you said, Moutier, maybe Burke. Um, even Tim Hardaway, I guess his minutes are very uncertain, but he might be worth well, a flyer. I think Hardaway's minutes are very secure. Um, let me see. I think he is. He played 29 minutes last game, but that was a blowout, actually. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you on Hardaway then. 
I'd, I'd forgotten about that. And that might be getting priced in a little bit too, that his minutes were down in that game. And he actually still played really well, even in limited minutes because the game was out of hand. Somehow the Knicks destroyed the Hornets with most of their guys not playing regular minutes. So that was, that was definitely odd, but yeah, Hardaway. And then it's all really guards for the Knicks. Like, I don't think you can use anyone in the front court. And theoretically this should be a good game to stack with teams that play bad defense and have cheap players, but it, it could be spread around a little too much where, Maybe there were only like three or four guys that are actually good plays and a bunch of maybe fringe plays who are worth just having only a little bit of. All right. What do we have next? The Memphis Grizzlies at the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, this is this is just looking for me. Uh, it is a really strong matchup for Pau for, uh, for Marcus Old. The Nets are just awful against centers. But there's still the issue of the Grizzlies are not trying to win games, and we've seen Gasol just get rested in the fourth quarter of games where the Grizzlies are in danger of winning. So I, I think that the safer strategy is just to avoid this game. Uh, 2-11 is actually kind of high for a Grizzlies game, but still relatively low scoring compared to what most of the games are going to be on the slate. Well, I think the bigger issue for the Grizzlies is that Tyreek Evans is back, and that cuts into Gasol's usage, and it cuts into the minutes of all of the other wing players that Memphis has. So you, you can use Evans or Gasol, but they're they're a little bit pricey and their minutes are very far from secure in a game that they're probably trying to lose like all of these other teams. So those, those other surrounding Grizzlies players that I guess we've used a lot of in the last several weeks, they're just they're out of play with both Gasol and Evans in the lineup. And then the Nets are probably just a little bit of a, I think they're a little too expensive and it's a down pace game. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie's gotten a little cheap, but D'Angelo Russell's been playing really well and... They've kind of been mixing around the starting lineup a lot. So, I don't know. Dinwiddie at 5,800 if he starts. I think that's the only guy I would consider. And uh, if there was DFS for just the first quarter, I'd probably roster D'Angelo Russell. But he doesn't seem to be doing much the rest of the game. Yeah, just first quarter. And I think I think Dinwiddie's out of the starting lineup now. I, I think that that's I think that's a dumb thing. I think they're going to keep starting uh, D'Angelo Russell at point guard and Ronda Hollis-Jefferson also starting with Dinwiddie coming off the bench. So And Alan Crabb uh, is probable for this game, too. He's been out the last couple, and that's led to some increased production for guys like Karis LeVert and Joe Harris. But with Crabb back, it's just it's worse for everybody minutes-wise. Yeah, the Nets will be back to their usual. Everybody plays 25 to 28 minutes. Uh, next game on the slate, the Denver Nuggets at the Miami Heat. Uh, Nikola Jokic down to 8,800, uh, but... This should be a kind of a down pace game for Denver, even with Hassan Whiteside out. I think 8,800, Jokic are kind of throw in that category with like a Victor Oladipo. I think he's fine to roster, but not a primary target. Uh, Gary Harris is out, so that should mean more minutes in production for Will Barton. So if I had to pick a value play from Denver, it would be Barton. And then from the Miami side of game, everybody's just kind of priced up now. There's been extra minutes in production with uh, Wade out and with uh, Whiteside out. I think there's a little bit of value on Josh Richardson at 5,200 because that is cheaper than what he's been. Uh, but outside of that, there's nobody I'd be interested in from the heat side of the game. Yeah, and even though there's probably a little pricing value on Barton, it's it's a tough matchup. Uh, it's a little easier without Whiteside playing, but it's still not a great matchup in Miami. And I think there are just... Well, I think it's going to be more of a Stars and Scrubs lineup approach anyway. So I just don't think we'll be rostering a lot of players around 6,000, 6,500. 
I think it's going to be a lot of guys below 5,000 and then LeBron and Giannis. Um, so I'd have some of Barton, but yeah, I don't really think anyone else is really worth rostering in this game. Um, yeah, Josh Richardson seems fine, I guess, but this, this is, I think, a game to mostly avoid, too. All right, the next game on the slate is the Golden State Warriors and San Antonio Spurs. I'm really surprised to see the Spurs only open up as six-and-a-half-point favorites against the Warriors. This just seems a lot of people looking at the name on the front of the jersey as opposed to the back of the jersey because the Warriors are not particularly good with Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson out. They've looked pretty terrible the last couple games. I know they beat the Suns by 15 last game, except the game, the Suns are really bad, and the Spurs didn't, the Warriors didn't look particularly good for most of that game. Quinn Cook got really hot in the second half and just made a ton of shots. So he figures to be a little bit popular in this spot. I think he's, I think he would be okay for the most part, except his price has gone up. He's going to be chalky. It's a really tough matchup. There's blowout risk. And the Warriors also have Patrick McCall uh, expected to play tomorrow. He's missed the last month or so with a broken wrist. So that could cut into Quinn Cook's minutes. I, I think for GPPs, he's a good fade candidate. Yeah, I think part of the reason that this slate sets up to be a really strong one is because there's going to be so much ownership on the Warriors in a really brutal matchup in San Antonio. It's a down-paced game. The Warriors play a lot slower already without Steph Curry. No Clayton Thompson hurts the pace. No Kevin Durant hurts the pace. It also just destroys the offensive efficiency for the team because that's mostly all of their good players with the exception of Draymond Green. This Warriors team should probably be about a 10-point underdog. And the Spurs are mostly healthy. They have everyone back except for Kawhi Leonard. Aldridge has missed some games, and Gasol has missed some games, but they're both supposedly going to be in there unless the Spurs decide to counter with some rest too. But I, I don't think that'll happen because the Spurs actually have to win to make the playoffs still. The Warriors are kind of just locked into the two seed. So if Quinn Cook and Nick Young are both really high-owned and Patrick McCaw is going to cut into some of their minutes and they potentially just won't play well because the Spurs are really good defensively, then there's a lot of value in using some of these other cheaper guys that we've mentioned because they're all probably going to be lower owned than the Warriors players. Um, Quinn Cook is probably a better fade candidate than Nick Young. I think Nick Young just does more when he's on the court. He shoots a lot more. So I'd, I'd use some of Young, but I don't think I'll roster any Quinn Cook because after the last two games, he could be 30 40% owned in GPPs, and he might only play 30 minutes now that McCaw is back. So he's he, I think he's a pretty bad play for tournaments. I think it, he could be an okay cash play, I guess, because he is still cheap enough and probably will play a lot of minutes. But maybe this game is a blowout and the Warriors just play different guys in garbage time, I guess, like... I don't know, who are the Warriors playing in garbage time if, if this game does become a blowout? Does Nick Young come out of the game, or is he like, are they still running with that their quote-unquote starters in garbage time? Well, it wouldn't be, uh, I would guess it would, Quinn Cook would still be in. Nick Young probably wouldn't be in. Iguodala wouldn't be in. Draymond Green definitely wouldn't be in, obviously. He's the one guy who we know for sure. Yeah, I think uh, Quinn Cook would probably stay in, just because we saw a blowout the other day, and Quinn Cook was in garbage time. So I would assume that they do this thing. Um, I guess yeah. the game against the Suns was sort of a blowout. They, they played their starters most of that game, because I think it the score kind of just got out of hand very late. No, I'm talking about the game against... Uh, the game against the Lakers, where Durant was still playing. Yeah. 
so the game against the game against Durant, uh, the game where they had Durant, they had like uh, it was like Damon Jones, Quinn Cook, uh, Jordan Bell, like Kevon Looney, and like one other guy I don't even remember anymore. Yeah, it doesn't matter. JaVel McGee, but, maybe I don't know. They, they ran they ran four centers. Yeah, they they do a lot uh, of big so, men left. Yeah, I don't have anything else to add for this game. I think for me, it's one to go underweight to the field on. Well, uh, I guess the last thing to mention is that I'm, I also think it makes sense to be pretty light on teams going against the Warriors because it, it would, it's generally a decent spot because of the pace the Warriors play out to use players against them. But without their regular starters, I think this is a really slow-paced team. So I don't really have any interest in the Spurs side of the game either. Like Even if you think the game stays close, I don't even know if you call this much of a plus matchup for the Spurs. So I would just avoid the game completely. Okay, and the final game on the slate is the Detroit Pistons at the Sacramento Kings. Andre Drummond's still at 8,900. I think that he is a fine play. Uh, nobody else from Detroit would ever really want to roster from the Kings side of the game. The guys with minutes security with some upside, Willie Cauley-Stein, De'Aaron Fox, uh, possibly Scal. I think that they're all okay plays, but also none would be priorities for me. Buddy Heald actually had a huge game in Utah the other night, or I think last night, and he's priced up to 5900 I think that's just way too much for him, and I think he could be kind of popular because he's been pretty good recently, especially in that game. He, he probably has some minute security. I think that's just too much for his standard level of production. So yeah, Cauley Stein, possibly Scal, possibly Darren Fox, and then Drummond. I think that's, that's it from this game. Um, are the Pistons... I guess the last thing to check, are the Pistons healthy on the wing now or are any of those guys still out? Yeah, they, yeah they, they've, got, uh, they've got guys now. They've got, they've got a bunch of guys. All right, yeah, so just Drummond, no one else, and this looks like a pretty bad game too. Yeah, well, that's the other issue also. Is the Kings haven't been resting anybody recently. So, I mean, that could always change. They could sit Zebo, except in the front court, they've been playing Zebo, Kufis, Scal, and Coley Stein, which has kind of capped everybody's upside. Uh, but... The ones who aren't the player are the young guys because they're the ones who we know should at least see some minutes no matter what because the floor for the old guys is literally zero. Uh, that is going to finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GIronbergDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense. And we'll be back for Tuesday's slate of 2018.